Israel has declared war against Hamas after the terrorist group infiltrated the country, firing thousands of rockets at residential areas and butchering civilians. So how can technology like AI aid in this conflict? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, what role will artificial intelligence play in the ongoing Israel-Hamas war? But first, the Israeli government. The Israeli government is under intense public pressure to topple Hamas after its militants stormed through a border fence and killed hundreds of Israelis in their homes, on the streets, and at an outdoor music festival. Israel has since declared war against Hamas after the terrorist group infiltrated the country, firing thousands of rockets at residential areas and butchering civilians. At least 2,400 people have been killed in the war, including more than 1,200 people in Israel and at least 25 Americans. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel is in a war to ensure our existence against savages who celebrate the murder of women, children, and the elderly. Now, reservists are headed home to Israel to aid in its fight against terrorism. Not sit here and uh, study medicine while I know that my friends are fighting and my family needs protection. This is my time. It's my duty. Israel has called up 360,000 army reservists in the wake of Saturday's assault by hundreds of Hamas gunmen. When the declaration of war came, the response was swift and overwhelming. Most were already in Israel. Many that weren't have dropped everything to answer the call. Oren Saar is based in the US. His children think he is on a business trip to Israel. Uh, you know, this is, uh, again, such a pivotal an important moment in the life of the Israeli state that as an Israeli uh, citizen and as someone that was born and raised in Israel and someone that loves this country, you can't just sit, you know, 5,000 miles away in, in, in New York and just watch the news. It is Israel's largest compulsory mobilization since the 1973 Yom Kippur War. While many foreign carriers have cancelled flights to Tel Aviv, Israeli airlines have added flights on foreign routes to bring people back, while the military dispatched transport planes to some European cities to collect soldiers. Nimrod Nadan, a 23-year-old studying medicine in Lithuania, said friends and relatives died or were missing as a result of the surprise Hamas attack, spurring him into action. I myself have two friends who are right now missing and they're not know and their location is not known. They have been in the Nova Festival of the Sukkot uh, down in the south, which has been attacked by the terrorist group of Hamas. I have a friend who died from my battalion, and I have a family member who also died during fighting for his home to save his wife and children. Military service is compulsory for the majority of Israelis when they turn 18. After this, most can be called up to reserve units until the age of 40, or even older in the case of national emergency. In times of war, they fight alongside the regular troops. Yonatan Bunzel only finished his military service this year, making him exempt from immediate reserve duties. 
He was in India celebrating the end of his service when Hamas struck, and despite not being obliged to return, he packed his bags and headed home, five months ahead of schedule. Served uh, the Golani unit, and uh, most of the soldiers who had fallen are from my unit, so I know a lot of people who had fallen. So immediate reaction, of course, was shock, and I, I didn't uh, know exactly what to do. But after a few hours, uh, my mind had cleared, and I, I just knew I had to go back home, save my country, help my people, and uh, give my part. Barely a week before Hamas fighters launched the largest surprise attack on Israel since the 1973 Yom Kippur War, Israeli officials took the chair of NATO's military committee to the Gaza border to demonstrate their use of artificial intelligence and high-tech surveillance. So how did the surprise attack of Hamas go undetected? For more, let's bring in Oz Sultan, the chief strategist with the Sultan Interactive Group. Oz, thanks so much for your time today. So multiple forward Israeli military positions and communities near Gaza were overrun in many cases, apparently with no or little warning, while the scale of Hamas's missile launches at times overwhelmed Israel's sophisticated Iron Dome defenses. Do we know what led to this security failure? I think it's a trifecta of uh, of you know things kind of coming into this. Um, Egypt has uh, has sort of put forward that they had spoken to Israeli intelligence a couple of days ahead of this. But, you know, the size and scale of what Hamas engaged Israel with was something that really hasn't been seen in decades. Um, the relationship between Russia and Iran, which has been documented by the Wall Street Journal and a, a number of other forces, uh, uh, sorry, a number of other journalists out there, um, I think kind of plays heavily into this because over the course of the past couple of months, I mean, 2,500 rockets, these rockets are each roughly about 8 to 14 feet in length. So there's a big question about how all of this ordinance was brought into the northern part of Gaza. Um, you know, the second question is, where is Israel's, you know, intelligence agencies inside of this and why are they staying so quiet? The The preponderance of information that's out there could be benefited um, in, in large S by AI and by leveraging AI technologies to really scour all this information, looking for keywords, looking for code words, looking for, um, in these cases, we also have memes and we have, um, you know, certain utilization of emojis with kind of like triple brackets around them that are indicative of, you know, negative connotations for Jews. All of that stuff can be captured at the same time. And that could lead to better intelligence gathering. But, you know, the, the crux of, I think, what we're dealing with here is a, a huge issue of Iran backing uh, a Sunni. So we have Shiites backing a Sunni separatist group inside of Gaza that they consider cannon fodder because they can use them as cannon fodder. And, and the challenge that you have is that there is such a dissonance in between the Palestinian Authority and Hamas that the PA has absolutely no control over what Hamas does. And so what this leads to is a lot of collateral damage on both sides and really kind of a no-win situation that we seem to be stuck in right now. Do we know yet how Hamas was able to do this without leaving a data trail? Um, it is more than likely. You know, Hamas has uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of uh 
tunnels that they have cut out to the sea, cut out to the north. Um, so I anticipate what's happened is that instead of bringing rockets in, in in full pieces, what they did was they broke them up. So they might have brought in dozens of warheads at a time. The rocket bodies can be broken down into component parts that are, are pretty easy to pack into boxes. And and the big the big piece of this is really the the liquid fuel um, sort of engines that power these things. Um, it's basically figuring out like how they had to get those in and how they got the liquid fuel in. Now those are usually either solid fuel, uh, like older American missiles that that stem from the 1950s. If you look at most of like the Iranian technology, they're <clears throat> moving things a little bit forward. So, you know, it's it's quizzical, like how they were able to to stably transport that if they took those pieces apart. But they managed to and they managed to do it in a very significant way. They also managed to get a lot of ordnance that we're still wondering about. A lot of the rifles that were used on the ground were a mixture of Russian um, and what was perceived as either stolen or appropriated American ordnance. Um, there was a, a huge mixture of Russian ordnance inside of there, and most of the rockets were Iranian. So I think what we're looking at is a lot of black market weapons, as well as Iranian and Russian in weapons that most likely came through a Syrian supply chain. And we know this simply because we're continuing to look at the incursions of both Iran and uh, Russia inside of Syria, and this is in the post-Soleimani era, right? where we still have this tremendous issue of, you know, terror coming from Iran affecting Syria and Russia really kind of positioning themselves inside of Syria. But that opens a ton of gateways by which you can transport a lot of military ordnance across that long path that takes you to the border. I'd worked with a, an organization called Amalia for a few years. Uh, that we were taking, you know, Syrian kids that had been hurt inside of the war and treating them in Israeli hospitals. Um, and I think some of the gateways that we had dealt with uh, that are basically, you know, large unobstructed areas of border crossing, those could have been used, the tongue used. Um, but, you know, I think that there's a, a big question of the intelligence gathering apparatus that needs to be addressed here as they move this future forward. Now, Israeli officials publicly spoke of using such technology in their last major war in Gaza in 2020 in 2021. And both its best AI and latest drones are doubtless, again, helping select and destroy targets in the territory. What do we know about how Israel is harnessing AI technology in this war? I think at this juncture, it's being used in a very lightweight format um, because with the blockade in Gaza, <coughs> pardon me, that's created a humanitarian issue at the same time, um, you have less information coming out through digital means than you would before. So more that more often than not, what has to be analyzed is thermographic, um, you know, and sensor information that's gleaned from either satellites or UAV type low flying or high flying drones or planes that are looking at the preponderance of northern Gaza, which is where Hamas is uh, traditionally based. Um, so that information could be fed into AI engines. They could be looking for certain types of movement. They could be looking for, you know, certain heat signatures that you're going to get from certain types of ordnance. Those are things I think that can allow the IDF to be effective 
in in intermediating with Hamas in in a way that is less of an impact to you know Gazans who are, are really becoming a little bit of collateral damage here. Um, but the the long term effect of this has to be something that is a, a, a brokered you know it's it has to be brokered in between war and peace right is there the, is the war going to continue to go on or the negotiations and i think this is really going to fall on the shoulders of netanyahu to really kind of figure something out here because the challenge is that you've had hamas operating for about 40 years and they haven't really been able to leverage even ai technology effectively to to disrupt them so you know what comes to pass inside of the next two weeks is really going to be the hallmark of where we go future forward Absolutely. Oz Sultan, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for watching In America Today. I'm Veronica Dudo. For more, head to tickernews.co. I'll see you soon. More right after this.